Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I am grateful for you. Glad that you're joining me on this episode. If we have not met before, my name is John. I am the creator of the Bible in Life, the host of the Bible in Life podcast, uh, as well as the listener's commentary, which is where I teach straight through books of the New Testament and clear down-to-earth language. And so, welcome. Glad you're here. And over the last few weeks on the Bible and Life podcast, what we have been doing is really just looking at the core mission of the church, which is to make disciples, to be disciples who make disciples. That's really what Jesus called us to. We often call it the Great Commission, uh, but it shows up in a number of places. And so we often describe ourselves as Christians, but that uh, really is not the primary descriptor in the New Testament. We're disciples, and a disciple is somebody who is uh, attached themselves to a rabbi, a teacher, in order to become like that teacher. And in our case, that means we've attached ourselves to Jesus to become like Jesus. And so over the last handful of weeks on the Bible and Life podcast, we have been exploring things related to that theme, what that looks like, and uh, what's involved in that, what's entailed in that. And on this week's episode, what we want to look at specifically is... What kind of climate, what kind of environment is the best environment for disciple-making and discipleship? And the reality is when we ask that, what we're really asking is what kind of environment, what kind of climate is best for human flourishing? And the reason that those are really the same question is because As we're growing as a disciple, what we're really doing is learning how to be human again. We're learning to be the humans that God designed us to be. And so a mature disciple is somebody who is like Jesus and thus more fully and authentically and deeply and genuinely human. And so the environment for human flourishing is the same environment for Uh, disciple-making or discipleship that really is effective and flourishes. And what kind of climate or what environment is that? Well, that is a climate of grace and truth. That is the climate in which disciples flourish. That is the climate in which human beings flourish. In fact, parenting studies have actually shown this very same thing, that the environment in which Kids best develop, best flourish is an environment where there's high support. That's sort of the relationship, love and grace side, high support. And at the same time, high expectations and high accountability. That's sort of the truth side. This is the environment we're all made to live in and in which we best flourish. And why is that the case? Well, the reason that's the case is because human beings are made in the image of God, and God is true, and God is love. And so we're made for truth, and we're made for love. We're made to give those, to receive those, to run on those two things because of the fact that we're made in the very image of God. And so that means we're made for grace and truth. And that's why it's such an environment for our own flourishing. Now, Here's the struggle, though, when we talk about disciple-making and discipleship. Here's the struggle. The struggle is that truth is hard for us. 
as human beings. We need it. We're made, we're made for truth. We desperately need to know the truth. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and it will set you free. Like the, the truth are the rails on which free, genuine, authentic human li- living runs. Like we need the truth. Uh, the truth will make you free. The struggle for us, however, is that because we also desperately need love and grace, we're afraid of the truth. Like one of our deepest human fears is if we spend too much time alone with ourselves and look too closely and too honestly and too deeply at ourselves, what we'll find is that there's nothing here to love. And so while we need truth, We also need grace, and we need both of those in a high degree. And because because we live in such a broken, fallen world, one of our deepest fears is that we're unlovable and that there's nothing here to be loved. And that's why rejection is so painful. That's why criticism is, is painful. That's why even receiving feedback from somebody who we respect can be hard. That's why we get defensive because of this this desperate need for love and grace, but this fear that we're not going to get it and we don't deserve it and we're not worthy of it and no one will give it to us. And so we need truth, we need grace, but it's really hard to get both of those together. And this is where Jesus comes in. When you read John chapter 1, the beginning of the Gospel of John, uh, he describes Jesus as the word made flesh, right, who, who pitched his tent, who tabernacled among us, the, the thing that the tabernacle was in part, Jesus was in full, the place where heaven and uh, earth overlapped. And, and then it says this about Jesus, that, that he was full of grace and truth. Not just a little bit, full of grace and truth. And then John even says that in him, we've experienced grace upon grace, like piles and piles of grace, because we need that in order to actually get the truth. And so in order for us to receive the truth and the freedom that it brings, we also need to experience grace upon grace. And the reason that sometimes we reject the truth and live by falsehoods and lives or various forms of self-deception is because we're not sure about the grace and love part. And so when we talk about discipleship and disciple-making, being a disciple, but also making disciples, uh, that's why the message of grace is so important for us and so good for us, because grace, here's a key line that I want to make sure you get, grace makes it safe to be a work in progress. Grace makes it safe to be less than perfect, less than ideal, and to be a work in progress. Um, Grace makes it safe to, in some regards, be a sinner, not in the sense of keep on sinning, but to be somebody who has sinned, who can admit sin, who can call sin what it is, and see sin in themselves so that they can actually say, okay, that's wrong. I need to receive the truth and go in a certain uh, direction, a new direction. That's why grace is so good for us and so important for us because it makes it safe for us to be a work in progress. And as disciples of Jesus, that's what we are. When we're helping other people grow as disciples of Jesus, that's what they are. We are works in progress. We are humans under construction. 
trying to become, by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit, seeking to become the human beings that God intends us to be, designed us to be. So, we desperately need the truth to tell us where we went wrong and where we need to go and who we need to become. We desperately need the truth for that. But, in order for the truth to do its deepest and most genuine work in our life and in us, it must be paired with grace. And that's why what we need is a climate of truth and grace. Now, I want to focus in the rest of our time together then on the grace side of that. We've talked about plenty of other things in this series that kind of point in the direction of the truth side of things. And we could talk more about that, but in the rest of our time together, I want to focus on the grace side of that because sometimes that is the most foreign to us. That is the hardest for us to grasp. Uh, it is the most unique experience for us that we desperately need. So when we talk about grace, obviously that word shows up quite a bit in the New Testament. Jesus came bringing grace upon grace, um, that God saved us uh, by his grace. You, you find that sort of phrase in Ephesians chapter 2, or you find it in Romans chapter 3. We, we are saved by grace. So what is grace? Well, that word, charis in Greek, is a word that really is an expression of love. Uh, one author describes it as love that stoops, meaning it's love that stoops down to help somebody who's not in a position to help themselves, to help people do uh, for themselves what they can't quite do on their own. That's grace. Grace is an expression of love that uh, gives us what we don't deserve. And oftentimes that's the way it's described as undeserved kindness or undeserved favor. It's like, um, I did not deserve that, but you were generous and gave it to me. The Greek word charis is actually related to the word for joy because sometimes grace is described as a gift that makes glad or brings joy. It is a gift. Somebody just freely gives me something that brings great joy. In the context of uh, Jesus and salvation and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. I had a professor one time use the word grace as an acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense, that Christ uh, willingly uh, lowered himself, emptied himself, and took on flesh and bones and became a human and pitched his tent among us and tabernacled among us, displayed to us the love of God, and then willingly died on the cross for our sins, was buried and was raised again on the third day so that we could be reconciled to God and receive all the goodness, all the blessings of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. And again, why is this so necessary and so important for us? Well, because we're made in the image of God and God is love. And that means we're meant to run on love. So we desperately need to know that we're loved. And yet, if we're honest, we know that we're not everything we're supposed to be. We know that. And so God's grace doesn't pretend like we're, we're everything we're supposed to be. God's grace doesn't pretend like sin is no big deal. God's grace doesn't pretend like we've never done anything wrong. 
Um, one of the ways I have sometimes said it is uh, God's grace is fatherly. It's not just like grandfatherly. It's not just nice and it's not just going to sweep. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's no big deal. and just sweep wrongdoings under the carpet. No, it knows those things are wrong. And yet it chooses not to make us pay. God in his mercy and grace chooses not to make us pay. And grace, when we talk about grace, it's sometimes we'll talk about the doctrine of grace. We'll talk about a theology of grace, all fine phrases. But what we need to remember is Grace is the expression of one person towards another. So God is a gracious person. And because he's so full of love, he demonstrated that towards us by showing us grace, giving us his goodness, his love, his salvation, his redemption, even though we could not earn it and did not deserve it because we weren't everything we were supposed to be. And because of that, then, the reality is, is that we can be honest, honest with God and honest with ourselves. We can uh, be honest about our shortcomings. We can be honest about our faults. Um, We can freely and confidently come before God and we can confess when we've done something wrong, knowing that he won't reject us, knowing that he still loves us, knowing that if while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, how much more now, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life, right? We can come to Christ knowing these things, and thus we can be honest, honest with God and honest with ourselves, which means we can receive the truth, which means we can begin to grow and we can begin to change, and God can begin to peel back the layers of our our heart and show us the things where we've come short, and we can now begin to move down the discipleship path more and more fully. Not only that, remember that the goal of that path is to become a person who loves God and loves people the way God has loved us. So the more we receive God's grace and love, the more we're able to give grace and love. And so we can be honest, we can move down the path, and we can do so in this climate where we're we're receiving God's presence, his grace, his love on an ongoing basis to us. Frequently, uh, when I have... Obviously, I've done this for myself, but frequently when I've been working with other people who I'm helping to grow as disciples and making disciples, and uh, it's not uncommon for people to struggle with grace. So if you're somebody who struggles with, I I really don't get this grace thing. You're not alone in this. Um, One of the practical pieces of advice that uh, often I've given is, here's here's some exercises for helping us welcome and receive and really like deeply kind of enter into the grace of God. And that is to try to take some of the passages where we see grace both described or envisioned and enter into those passages. So, for example, Luke chapter 37, verse, excuse me, Luke chapter 7, verse 37 and following is one of my favorite stories in the gospel of Luke. It's where uh, Jesus is at a a Pharisee's home and a woman who is a sinner in that town, that's the way she's described, comes to Jesus and pours out her uh, devotion to him and her gratitude to him in a very extravagant and risky sort of way. 
So you could take a, a, a story like that and enter into the story. Maybe you, you could be a bystander observing what's happening and picture it. Maybe you could put yourself into the position of the woman herself and imagine it, right? And uh, put yourself into that role. And what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like to uh, receive the grace of Jesus in that moment and to have Jesus really defend you and your honor in the face of a religious person who's wanting to run you down and run Jesus down because he's welcoming you? Like, what does that look like and what does that feel like? So picture it, imagine it, hear the sounds, see the scene, visualize it, and and just do that for like multiple days in a row with one story and just sit in it and absorb it, and soak in it. Another great story to do that with is the prodigal son story. It's a a famous story, Luke chapter 15. But again, uh, visualize the scene. If you were going to make a movie of it, what would it look like? What would the facial expressions be? Um, What are the interactions of people like? What does the voice sound like? Put yourself into that story and look, look at it from the perspective of the different characters. Feel the feelings and enter into it as a way of receiving deeply and powerfully the grace of God. You can do the same sort of things with more like straightforward teaching text, the narrative text. One of the great ones when we're talking about grace and it really fits our theme of this podcast is Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, where uh, Paul says in that passage, and it's a really important text for this theme, he says that therefore having been justified, that is having Justified means declared righteous or declared not guilty and put into a right relationship with. That's the idea of justified. So having been uh, uh, declared righteous and put into a right relationship with God, so having been justified by faith, that is by trusting in God and what he's done for us in Jesus, not by our perfect performance, not by our goodness, not by our own righteousness, not by our religious observation, but simply by trusting God and what he's done for us in Jesus, having been justified by faith, we have, notice, present tense, we have peace with God. Not we should have or we will have, but we have. Our relationship with God is now marked by shalom and peace and harmony um, because God has justified us. He's declared us not guilty and in a right relationship with himself and his law. And then he goes on in in those first couple verses of chapter 5, and he says that um, we stand in grace, like... um, like it's an environment we live in and move in and breathe in. We stand in. It's like a sphere of grace all around us. So again, you could do the same sort of thing with this type of text where you can imagine it. What does it feel like to know because of what Jesus has done and you've trusted that, that you have peace with God? What does shalom and peace with God look like and feel like to you? You could picture yourself just being there in the environment where God looks on you with favor and kindness and blessedness because of his grace. And you stand in that, you're secure in that, and you picture it and you imagine it and you feel. This is what it means to meditate on scripture. And so, Uh, This little exercise is a great exercise for absorbing 
the grace of God into our life so that we begin to realize this is the environment in which I live and move and have my being in an environment where the great God of the universe looks on me with grace, treats me with kindness and favor. He loves me and welcomes me because I'm his son or his daughter. Um, Not because I am perfect, but because he is loving and gracious and because Jesus has dealt with that thing that was between us and our Father in heaven. So, um, grace. And the more we, we grasp the grace of God, the easier it will be for us actually to hear the truth of God. And the more we hear the truth of God, the more it will be honest It'll be easier for us to be honest with God about who we are and where we're at and how we need to grow and how we need to change. And now we can become the kind of people God called us to be. We can grow as disciples and we can begin to flourish as human beings. That's the environment we desperately need in order for us to really grow as disciples. That's the environment in which it's best for us to make disciples. Like when we're meeting with somebody, we need to cultivate this environment where we can be honest, but we can also be deeply loving and grace-filled in that environment so that they experience in us, a, to some degree or another, uh, a little bit of what everyone experienced in the person of Jesus, grace and truth. Because we desperately need both of those in order for us to flourish. And so the two key pieces of the best environment for discipleship and disciple, disciple making. Last week, we talked about the one another's. We need one another. We need a one another environment. But that environment with one another has to be an environment that's marked by grace and truth. So that um, we know we're welcomed, we know we're loved, we know we're valued, we know we're important, but we also know um, that we're going to be told the things that where we need to change and where we need to grow and where we need to become more grace and truth. That's the environment in which discipleship happens best because that's the environment in which human flourishing happens best. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. The Bible in Life is a listener-supported, crowd-funded Bible teaching ministry that includes the Bible in Life podcast, the listener's commentary, and it is all made possible by the generous support of people just like you. So thanks a ton for your support. Thanks a ton for your um, investment in not just this ministry, but really in, in investment in the lives of people all around the world. And so thanks a ton for that. And if you want to join the team of supporters, you can do so by going to johnwhitaker.net, clicking the Give button. Uh, That'll direct you to a page where you can uh, set up a monthly donation by simply putting in the amount, clicking the box that says Bake This Monthly. Or if you want to give a one-time gift, just put in an amount, and it'll give a one-time gift as well. So thanks a ton for your support.